This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 179 of the Catholic Foodie, Chris and Angela Faddis, It Is Well. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about faith. We're talking about life. We're talking about God's grace in the midst of suffering. We have a guest today. It's Chris Faddis. He is no stranger to the Catholic Foodie. He joined us back in the 2009, 2010. We were talking about Haiti, and he had a program he was promoting at the time called Fasting for Haiti. And uh, today we're, we're talking to him about a new book, a book he released that tells a story, a beautiful story of grace, uh, the story of his wife's death and uh, the journey that they took with God. So stay tuned right here. Where food meets faith, folks, where food meets faith. And uh, we're not talking about uh, food with Chris today. We're talking about this beautiful book, this beautiful story of uh, his wife's uh, uh, life and his, his wife's death. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to have Chris back on the show. It was, it was a lot of fun, uh, believe it or not, it was a lot of fun talking with Chris, you know, because he and I both came into social media about the same time. And uh, I remember we, we connected back, you know, this is 2009, I guess. Uh, we connected back then uh, on different projects. And one of those projects was uh, the fasting uh, for Haiti after Haiti had suffered uh, from a natural disaster. And, and we were talking about how, how can we support them? What's the best thing we can do? And uh, fasting and prayer was the, the answer. And uh, Chris is an amazing man. He is an amazing man. And uh, you're going to hear his story a little bit later in the show. Uh, his wife uh, passed away, Angela passed away, uh, after a 17-month battle with uh, stage 4 colon cancer. And uh, it, it, it's a beautiful story. I mean, it's death, right? It's death. Uh, but it is a beautiful story, and you see the hand of God in all of this. And, and you see the response of faith and trust and love uh, on the part of, of both Chris and Angela. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's inspiring. So we'll be talking to Chris a little bit later in the show, but first we're going to get into some food news. You know, food is always in the news. And guess what? Uh, just this past week, it's been in the news again. <laughs> Amazing how that happens. So we'll be right back with some food news. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, in the, in the realm of food news, I've got two little items for you today. You know, last episode, I talked about uh, making pizza dough with beer. And I love pizza. I've been making it for years. And I, I love, well, I love beer too. <laughs> beer is good. Uh, I've, I've heard people joke and say that, you know, beer is a sign that shows us that God loves us and wants to be happy, right? Wants us to be happy. And I think there's something to do with Chetterton, if I'm not mistaken. Some That quote has something to do with him. I'm, I'm not sure, but we'll have to look that one up. But anyway, you know, pizza, I make pizza at home on a regular basis. Matter of fact, just the other day I made pizza at home. And I've got, I've been doing this since I was like 11 or 12. 
Pizza is my favorite food. I love it, and and it's been kind of an art and a science for me over the years, trying to perfect making pizza at home. I want to make restaurant quality, right? Pizzeria quality pizza at home. That's my goal. That's what I want, and I think I think I'm really really close, if not already there. But of course, we can't stop. We're going to still work on trying to perfect that. So when I do pizza at home, you know, I usually make, I mean, I do a batch of dough, one batch of dough typically, and I'll get four, maybe three, depends on how the dough behaves, because sometimes it behaves differently. That's part of dependent on God. It's part of acknowledging the fact that we're not in control of everything, right? Uh, So three or four pizzas will come out of that one batch of dough. There have been times, and a matter of fact, just a few weeks back, uh, we had a, 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 some friends of ours, a family who, uh, the the husband, the father, uh, had to have surgery, and it was just putting a strain on them, and they love pizza. I knew they love pizza because they're, they're in our parish, and I thought, oh, well, you know what? Why don't we just make pizza for them one night and, and kind of give them a break, and, and it'll be fun. So I, I did, uh, you know, on that occasion, I did two different batches of dough. So, you know... For, but that's just like four pizzas at most, right? If you're doing one batch of dough, one you know, one batch. Well, I came across something on Eater.com today. This is a chef up, a pizza chef up in New York who makes four to 500 pizzas each night. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? That's beautiful. First of all, I love that. It's fantastic. But this guy, he's actually from Mexico originally, and the restaurant is called Motorino, Motorino's, uh, and this is the head chef over there. His name is Sergio, or Sergio, Sergio Pardo from Mexico, and uh, let's listen to what he has to say about uh, the whole concept, right, the whole, what, what it takes to, to make pizza, like real pizza, uh, pizza uh, Napolitana, right, uh, Neapolitan pizza, New York style pizza. Let's hear what he has to say. My name is Sergio Pardo. I am from Mexico. I have been working Motorino around five years. I make real pizza napolitana. To make the pizza, we have the prep guys to make the dough. The same day, they make the bowl, they put in the tray. We take like uh, five hours to that grow. I used to work before in different restaurants. That was a uh, guest oven. Here I learned how to make the real pizza. This is more organic. The taste is very good. When you taste this pizza, it's like you cannot stop to eat, you know. It's something what you feel. So it's very good. My favorite is to open the dough and cook in the oven. In a day when it's busy, we make around 400, 500 pizza. When you do something what you like, it's, it's going to be easy for everybody. I love pizza in New York. Nobody gets tired with this pizza because it's very good. Probably maybe in the future, I'm gonna try to do something in my, my city, Mexico, so the people try to eat the original pizza, pizza napolitana. I'm the main guy of the kitchen. When I cook the pizza, it's some, something what I feel. So I feel good, I make the pizza nice, I try to make the best for, for the customer. Not just like, just do it, come, uh, get your money and go home. It's not like that. To do the job, everything's gonna take time. You gotta do with uh, something you love. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
I'm going to, this is a video, by the way, it's on YouTube. I'm going to actually post this in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You can go check it out. It's, it's gorgeous. I mean, these pizzas are fantastic. You know, you, you may have heard him talk about the fact that they let the dough rise for five hours, right? Five hours. So that that's really awesome. That's good. That's good. Very good. And you know, when you have dough and you are letting it rise, you've got to protect it from the uh, from from air. You don't want dough to dry out. So I always use some sort of a plastic wrap, something to to cover. Matter of fact, oftentimes I'll use plastic wrap over the bowl, and then I'll take a damp uh, kitchen towel and put that over. The plastic wrap as well, just just in case. I don't want the uh, you know you have the, when the dough is fermenting, it's releasing gases, and I, sometimes, and I've had this happen in the past. Matter of fact, in in some of the the recipes I've done with uh, Jim Leahy's No Need Dough, which I, I talked about last episode, I've actually had the plastic wrap pop off. And uh, if that happens in the middle of the night, because it's, it's sitting on the counter for eighteen hours, if that happens in the middle of the night, guess what? Your dough's ruined because it's going to dry out. Uh, you, you're, you're not there to see it if you're in, if you're asleep, and uh, that dough will dry out, and you'll have to start all over again. So we don't want that to happen. What I normally do is uh, I'll use plastic wrap, and then on top of that, I will lay a damp uh, kitchen towel or something like that uh, to, to 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 add extra weight to keep that plastic wrap in place. So beautiful. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine making four to 500 pizzas each night. And of course, this chef right here we heard from, he has a staff. <laughs> He's got people there helping him and working with him. The oven was gorgeous. Oh my goodness, it's a it's a wood-fired oven, brick oven. Uh, beautiful. I would love to have one of those. I don't. And so what 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 is my alternative? What how how do I fix that? I have a baking steel. That's right, a baking steel. Check the show notes out. I will. Uh, you can find more information about the baking steel. I highly recommend that. Christmas is coming up. If you make pizza at home, it is totally worth it. Uh, you need to get one. And there is uh, information over at catholicfoodie.com. Just check the show notes out. You'll find out more about the baking steel and why you need one. It's a, it's a really good, uh, really good, excellent product. One of the best things I've done to uh, help perfect my home pizza making skills with a Z uh, in my whole life. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. I highly recommend it. And uh, in addition to pizza, we've got something else we're going to talk about today in the news. There's something else that I came across which may appeal to you if you're somewhat geeky and somewhat scientific. Uh, when, I, when I first saw this, I didn't quite know what to think. I mean, you know, uh, the name Jose Andres may or may not mean anything to you, but it means something to me. I came across this chef, Jose Andres, several years ago, and I was so impressed with him. He's from Spain. Uh, he is now in the United States. He's got restaurants in, in, in Washington, D.C. And, and, and other areas around there. Uh, pretty well known. He's had, he's had cooking shows on television and, and whatnot. Just a, a, a real down-to-earth kind of a guy, but just a brilliant, brilliant genius chef. And uh, he came up recently with this product. This is amazing, if you think about this. Uh, he kind of teamed up with a guy from uh, MIT. And <laughs> let me, I'm going to read this to you because I don't want to mess it up. It says, uh, after attending a Harvard series on food and science, MIT mathematician John Bush and molecular gastronomist Jose Andres got together and decided to collaborate on something delicious. Well, a pair of somethings, actually, an edible 
booze-filled boat that motors <laughs> on the surface of a cocktail. All right, this is kind of funny. And an artificial flower that collects a single drop of drink in its petals. The end result? Fancier, fancy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and all thanks to science and math. Uh, the half-inch boat starts its life as a 3D-printed mold. To create the edible vessel, Bush fills the mold with gelatin, agar, melted wax, and various candies. The body of the boat holds alcohol, while a small notch in the back dribbles the booze from the boat into the cocktail, propelling the boat forward for up to two minutes. So can you imagine sitting at the bar <laughs> with your cocktail and you have this little strange-looking boat <laughs> floating around, tooling around in your cocktail? Uh, it's it's kind of weird to me, but but it's, it's still kind of cool, too. You know, it's geeky. Geeky and uh, it's all kind of scientific. Kind of neat. So the inspiration for this mode of propulsion comes from water insects and the science of surface tension. Floating objects between two liquids with different surface tensions, in this case, the boat between the cocktail and the liquor, are pushed toward the higher tension fluid. Bush, who works in fluid dynamics, previously wrote about the microvella genus of insects. Microvella finding themselves on water blast a chemical trail behind them to propel them toward land. And they have a video uh, on this news site, which I will also embed over at catholicfoodie.com if you want to check that out. It's amazing, this, this, uh, this floral pipette, I think they call it pipette, it looks French. It's like this little flower, it's electronic, it's, it's got a light on the end of it. It does weird but fascinating things when it's placed inside of a cocktail. It's just wild. I can't believe people come up with this kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> how do you come up with this idea? This is amazing. So I will have the, uh, the, the video there in the show notes. You can go check that out. And that is the news for food this week on The Catholic Foodie. Could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, this week on The Catholic Foodie, as we talk about uh, faith in the news, there's two stories that came out about Pope Francis just this past week, which uh, really kind of impressed me. I want to share them with you. The first one is that the, uh, the, the on ABC News, uh, if you go to abcnews.go.com, you're going to see this headline, See Pope Francis Clown Around with Newlywed Couple. It says, Pope Francis is having a picture-perfect week. The leader of the world's 1.2 billion Catholics donned a bright red nose and clowned around with a newlywed couple inside the Vatican on Wednesday. The Argentine-born pontiff, pontiff posed with the bride and groom, who are volunteers at a charity that brings clown therapy to sick children. The lighthearted moment came hours after Pope Francis kissed and prayed with a, severe, a severely disfigured man at the end of his general audience at St. Peter's Square. And we talked about that last 
episode 178 of the Catholic Foodie. Uh, it says, In the eight months since he was elected Pope, the 76-year-old pontiff has emerged as an endearing figure known for his humility and desire to build a more inclusive church. Now, this is ABC, so they're always going to have a little political something tossed in there. Uh, but when a young boy wandered on stage during a homily last month, the pontiff let him stay by his side and even gave him a playful pat on the head. Pope Francis has stayed true to his humble Jesuit roots by choosing to live a simple life. He has dis- declined to move into the lavish papal apartments and insists on carrying his own bags. Oh, and his clown car of choice for getting around the Vatican is a 1984 Renault. <laughs> well, you're talking about a, a, the Pope is just so accessible, right? So accessible and so human and just so normal. And you see him in this picture, beautiful picture, with this newlywed couple, obviously blessing them, but having some fun too. He's, he, he dons the, the red clown nose and is just uh, having a good conversation with these two folks. So, a, a beautiful, again, a very beautiful testimony to the love, the compassion, the, the humanity of Christ, right? Who is so much a part of who we are. He's so close to us, more than we can possibly ever understand. And then the second news story just came out today, and it talks about how Pope Francis welcomes hundreds with disabilities and wheelchairs one by one. This uh, news story actually came from the Huffington Post, and it says that you know Pope Francis has greeted hundreds of people in wheelchairs one by one, part of a special gathering in which rows of seats were removed from a Vatican auditorium to make room for the disabled visitors. The pontiff, who has made champion the downtrodden a key plank of his papacy, lamented that, that society tends to hide physical fragility and rejects the disabled. He encouraged those with physical disabilities to banish any feelings of shame and to become protagonists in society as well as in the Catholic Church. Some 600 people in wheelchairs waited to have their time with Francis during the event on Saturday, and he moved down the rows to meet and greet each person, doling out hugs and kisses as well as chatting. Again, we see someone, this, this, the, the, the Holy Father, the Pope, Pope Francis, so human, so normal, so, so he's in tune, right, with, with people, and uh, he's meeting each one individually. It reminds me so much of Mother Teresa, because Mother Teresa was once criticized, or probably many more times than just once, but was criticized once about uh, not being able to save all the people who needed saving in the world, right, to take care of all of them, and her response was basically, you know what? I'm just worried about the one, right? If I can help one person today, that, that's all that matters. Just meeting Jesus, serving Jesus, helping Jesus, and that one person, that, that's all that matters. And if that one turns into 1,000, awesome. But, but I have to do what I feel like I'm called to do by God. And so here, here we have Pope Francis who is going one by one and giving his time, his 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 attention, right, his concentration uh, to each individual person. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and an awe-inspiring example for us to follow, I think. Uh, big shoes, though, big shoes to fill. We live lives that are so busy, sometimes it's hard even to recognize the people in our own family, much less 
people who are uh, that we encounter throughout the day who may need an example, who may need a kind word, who may need a smile. You know, we're just, I think, way too busy in our world today. I'd love to hear what you think about that, though. You can always leave feedback for me at the on the voice feedback line at uh, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. I love voice feedback. I'd love to hear from you so I could play that on the show. Give me a call at 985-635-4974. Leave a message, and I can answer that or respond to that, play that. Uh, on the show here, The Catholic Foodie. Wow, something smells good. Those uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goodie lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate dicing between very. It's good. Uh, it's very good. And speaking of good, we're going to talk just for a moment about prayer, and uh, specifically prayer before meals. You know, the prayer before meals, a very old tradition in the Catholic faith to give thanks to God. Matter of fact, it goes back, even back to the Old Testament, where the, this this whole concept of barakah, right, where where... We are to bless God who blesses us. God is the one who blesses us with with uh, with gifts, with um, with food, with with nourishment, with shelter, with so many awesome blessings. And we bless Him who blesses us. That's really what uh, the blessing, or the prayer before meals, is where it stems from. And so it's it's a good tradition. It's a good thing to do to acknowledge our dependence on God. Something we tend to lose sight of, I think, in our world today. So very, very much independent. So we want to keep that in mind. And you know what? We have a holiday coming up that is an excellent time to remind ourselves of our dependence on God and also uh, the necessity to give thanks and praise and blessing to God who blesses us so abundantly. And I'm talking about Thanksgiving, folks. It's just a few weeks away, a couple of weeks away, actually. And uh, I know that uh, at the Catholic Foodie, catholicfoodie.com, every year at Thanksgiving, I, my, the, the traffic on my site just um, just jumps. It just kind of really gets a boost, big-time boost, because people are looking for ideas, thoughts, on prayer before meals. You may have families who have never prayed together or during the year typically never prayed together. They never say the grace before meals. They never uh, really pray around the table. But when Thanksgiving comes around, it's that perfect time and we all kind of have it in mind is Thanksgiving, right? We give thanks to who? To God. And so people are starting to think, oh, well, we have the, you know, all the families coming in and we have to have a prayer. We got to have something that we can do. What can we do? And so they start to Google, like we always do. We Google to try to find a prayer or a blessing or whatever it may be uh, to pray before our Thanksgiving dinner. And because of that, I know every year I had uh, Lisa Jones, part of the the, the blogging sisters uh, that I just saw just a few weeks ago at the CNMC, the Catholic New Media Conference, Lisa Jones, who together with her sister, Shelly Kelly, have the Of Sound, Mind, and Spirit blog. You can find that over at soundmindandspirit.com. Lisa wrote an article for me 
probably three years ago now, can't believe it's been that long, about Thanksgiving blessings, right? The blessings around the table at Thanksgiving. And she was really just sharing her story. And uh, I tell you what, that particular article drives traffic to the Catholic foodie every year because we are interested. We, 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 it's on our radar. Finally, it's on our radar. But I would like to offer the advice, the suggestion that it not be just for one day out of the year, but that the prayer before meals, the blessing before meals, the grace before meals is something that we do every day, right? That we should probably, I think, I think it's a good idea to acknowledge God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's providence in our lives every single day. And the simple way to do that is simply to pray together as a family before meals. You know, it's interesting, um, my wife and I do uh, a program where we prepare uh, couples for marriage in our home. It's, it's, it's part of our parish, and some, when, when couples want to get married, they can choose to go to different programs. They have to go through something as a period of discernment, of preparation for the, the, the wedding and, and, and the marriage. And one of their options is to have these uh, evenings with the engaged kind of a, a program. And so my wife and I serve in that capacity in our parish, and we have couples that meet with us, and we help to prepare them for marriage. And one of the things, you know, I, we talk to, to these couples when they come in, and many of them, I say most of them, really don't really, they don't pray together on a regular basis. And so prayer is kind of foreign, at least prayer together is very foreign to them. And so we always encourage them, the easiest thing to do is before you eat together, you pray together. Just do the prayer before meals. It's a very simple step, but it brings us closer to God and it brings us closer to each other. So that is the around the table thought for the day. <laughs> the importance of keeping prayer uh, in mind, uh, of, of having an attitude of gratitude when it comes to God who has blessed us so richly and who continues to do so that we will, when we come around the table, that we together pray and to thank God, not just at Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. Anyway, like I was saying, shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it, based on shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried, there's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. That's, that's about it. Well, that's not really about it. <laughs> I love shrimp. I love shrimp a lot. Uh, but I wanted to share with you a conversation I had. Uh, I pre-recorded this just the other day. Uh, a friend of mine, Chris Faddis, we hadn't talked in person in a long time. Uh, he's had lots going on in his life, and uh, part of that was uh, the passing of his wife, who after seven months uh, battling stage four colon cancer, passed away. And um, his story is not... It's not uh, probably a secret. I mean, he, they, they put this out there, and, and you'll hear this in the, in the conversation I had with Chris. They were very intentional in the way that they used social media to tell their story, even with, when Angela was, was just finding out about the cancer. 
they they immediately, kind of right away, uh, began to share this story. And I'm telling you, it has impacted me, and I know it is an impact. It has impacted. Uh, people across the country and probably across the world to see the faith and the trust of this couple, this married couple who were going through a tremendously difficult uh, time of, of suffering where, where life gets just really, really messy, you know? And, um, and, and, and you can look at it from the outside and go, wow, how tragic that is. It's just so tragic. At the same time, when you really listen to the story, when you really hear what Chris has to say, you start to see the beauty, the beauty of God's hand, the beauty of God's work, the beauty of God's love, right in the midst of the mess, right in the midst of the suffering. And uh, to me, that, 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 that speaks so eloquently and so loudly of the love that God has for us. And I'm, I'm just so excited to have Chris join me on the show today and just so humbled by by his story. Now, he just released a book uh, called It Is Well. And uh, right now, today is the second to last day. There's a blog tour going on. Uh, today is day, I think, seven, and uh, tomorrow's day eight. Uh, during the blog tour, uh, the, the shipping is free on the book. And uh, the, 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 if you want to order the book online, you can do so. You can go to itiswellbook.com. It is well book. Dot com. You can order it there, and if you order it between today and tomorrow, uh, you get free shipping on that. So, as a matter of fact, I think Chris has an, another um, special that uh, he's offering, because the, the important thing for him is just to get his wife's story out there. And so, I think he's offering another special where you can pay, uh, you, can, you can buy three books, and you get a bigger deal Plus, you get the free shipping. So it's it's a really it's a way of trying to get the story out there uh, more quickly and, and more effectively. So let's uh, let's move into this interview right now, and and I want to welcome back uh, with with great joy uh, my friend Chris Fattis. Well, I am so excited today because uh, we have a, a friend of mine on the show. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. I mean, not, at least not face-to-face, uh, but we're no strangers to each other. We, we have mixed together on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and all that for years. Matter of fact, we had this gentleman on the show with us uh, a few years back talking about Haiti when there was a just terrible disaster in Haiti, and, and he was promoting something uh, that's, that's kind of unusual today. It's, it's fasting. It was fasting for Haiti, and... Uh, Chris Fattis. Chris, welcome back on The Catholic Foodie. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you again. And this is a little bit different today because we're talking not really about uh, fasting for Haiti and and we're not talking about food. We're talking about a book that you just published. Yeah, it's uh, called It Is Well, Life in the Storm. And it's uh, a memoir of our, my wife and I's journey through her cancer um, struggle. Yeah, and that yeah that's that's the thing is it is it's beautiful, Chris. It really is beautiful, and I know a lot of people who are listening to the show right now already know who you are, because in the in the Catholic world, right, the Catholic online new media world, I mean your your story was out there. Yeah, I mean it it, it touched people all across the world, and you, can you tell us a little bit about the background of like what happened and 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 really what the book is about, but kind of your story, just in case there's a listener out there who hasn't uh, who who doesn't know who you are. Yeah, you know our story started. You know Angela was um, a very healthy person, and um, and essentially 
uh, you know, other than having depression and stuff, was really a physically fit, healthy person, didn't ever have major things. And about a week before um, Easter Sunday of 2011, she started having some severe abdominal cramping and constipation and all these things. It was back and forth. We've been to the doctor a couple times. And long story short, we finally, uh, you know, we kept saying on the Saturday before Easter, we, we just really need to go to the ER. The doctor said, if this doesn't work, we got to go in. And Angela kept saying, no, I, I want to I try one more thing, try one more thing. Um, finally, we had to just go in. You know, we got, uh, we got, it was two in the morning on Easter Sunday, and she just said, I can't take it anymore. So we went into the ER, you know, and really, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, she was constipated. We thought they'd give her an enema and clear things out, and she'd be eating again by lunch. You know, we'd have a nice Easter dinner or something. So we really didn't think that this would be such a long you know, something so massive. And so uh, we were there all night. My kids were with me. And finally, around six or seven in the morning, Angela said, hey, why don't you just take the kids home? They keep saying this is no big deal. The nurse would come out and talk to me and says, no big deal. Just take them home and go, you know, get them food and I'll call you when I'm done. So I went home. And really at this point, because the nurse had come out and told me it was no big deal, I just, there was, I had no nerves about it. I thought everything was fine. Get home in about five minutes after being home, we get a, I get a message that the doctors want to see me. So we head back to the hospital and really didn't think at first of anything of it until I got in the car and I thought, you know, in a movie, in stories you read, the doctor doesn't want to talk to you, talk to the husband right, unless there's right. a problem. He's not just telling me, hey, your wife, you know, your wife had a great uh, bowel movement. Everything's fine. He wants to <laughs> yeah. talk to you, you know. Right. So I started praying, and by the time I got to the hospital, I think I realized what was happening. You know, I went in. They immediately had a nurse come take my kids. I went back, and um, the doctors essentially said, for to shorten the story, you know, it's cancer, and we're really late. It was a massive tumor in her colon was blocking, pretty much causing a complete blockage, and her liver was covered in lesions. Oh, so, um, so it was stage four. We knew right then, you know. Um, and that was the beginning of quite a journey. And, you know, the amazing thing, Jeff, you mentioned the social media piece, you know, and I'm sure we can go back to some of the details. But when, you know, friends, when I, that afternoon, I posted a message on Facebook to let our friends and family know and, and you know, basically um, ask for prayers. And then a friend a day or so later set up a Facebook page. And what happened immediately was just incredible because as I shared the message with friends and family and then they shared it with everyone and then this Facebook page went up. Within a few days, there was six or 700 people following our story, some that we knew, some that I had done ministry with around the country, some like yourself that, you know, I had done ministry with virtually. I mean, you know, right, those of us right. who are, what are we, virtual ministers, right, yeah. doing blogs and all of that <laughs> together. Um, that's what I love about this, Jeff. I think you and I started around the same time, so right, it's kind of yeah. neat to be back. Um, but, yeah, that the, the, the kind of the thing that as we look back is this kind of wrapping around us of the community, you know, of, of the communion of saints in a sense of the people of God. So supporting us and praying for us. Um, it was truly a tremendous experience to have that many people expressing their love and their concern and their prayers. Yeah. And it, it just touched so many people, you know, and I think that's the wonder about social media. The, the great thing about the social media is that, you know, we're all publishers now. We, we can all, our stories can get out there. And, and so it's no wonder that there was such a reaction to mm -hmm. your story. Uh, because the platform is there for it, but what was the the, the beautiful thing is that uh, your story was a story of grace. Mm. You know, your story is a story of 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 resurrection, right? It's a story of of God reaching in in the midst of suffering, and that that it it's all well. 
Mm. You know, mm. I mean that. I'm sure over the 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 time that you were sharing when when Angela was still with us, but and then even since then, you have heard stories of other people who have gone through suffering like this as as well, and maybe have been inspired. Have you have a, any of those that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, really, it started, you know, because that page started as a support page for us. So we were sharing to ask people for prayer and ask them for support. And what ended up happening is as we would share, I guess, you know, and I, without being prideful at all, because it's all certainly the grace of God, but we were able to share our faith in it. We were able to share how this is happening and we're, you know, we're really worried about this surgery or this thing happening, but we trust. And, and in doing that, you know, we started to hear back from people saying, you have no idea how much you're helping me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and maybe they're saying, I have cancer too, and you're really helping me face it differently. Or, or I went through this in my family. My suffering's different than yours, but you're, you're really giving me perspective. So that started fairly early on. And that's when we kind of realized that, hey, you know, this Facebook page is for us. But when you, you know, when you're given a gift, God wants you to be good stewards of it. So for us, really, the giving back was just sh- being honest with our sharing and being, you know, being willing to let our suffering and our, the lessons we were learning be shared with other people. Um, and, you know, not because we were something perfect, you know, but because we were allowing God's grace to work, you know. And that, so that happened even early on, um, certainly as we got further into Angela's journey, we would hear from people saying, you know, I've been following you for six months and I just got diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, I used to think this would be the worst thing in the world, but now that I've been watching you, I know how to handle this, you know, that's, uh, quite a comfort to hear that, to know that God was using our pain and, and making good of it, making something good come out of it. And I think it's important, too, to realize that it's not necessarily pretty, right? It's not necessarily nice. I mean, you're talking about the messiness of life. You're talking about just human nature and, and, and the, th- the struggles, the things that we go through in life. But you're, you're, you're leaving your heart open to faith. You know, yeah. You're leaving your heart open to, to God in, in the midst of the mess. And I mean, I, I, y'all really uh, inspired me, too. You know, I, I went through, we went through something not that long ago. I mean, compared to what a lot of people go through, what we suffered was nothing. I mean, it was post-Katrina, you know, yeah. Hurricane Katrina, which impacted so many more people. I mean, so many people, much more than it impacted us. And yet still, we had some suffering to do. And it was, it was really suffering that was at the hands of someone else. Mm. You know, someone else caused this suffering. And I tell you, things that happen in life, and, and here I am, I've, I've been uh, walking this journey with the Lord since I was like 16 years old. I've been a missionary. I've been doing uh, uh, like a, a, a youth ministry and, and, and sacramental preparation, all this stuff, working in the church. And the reaction, my reaction to this happening to me was not one of, you know, oh, Lord, you're here and thank you so much. And this is, you know, you're taking care. I trust you. No, it was like, man, I want to hurt this man. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I was really, really upset. And, it, and that, that's just part of my humanity. And it, but it takes the example of other people who can handle suffering with grace, right? That, that really makes the impression on the rest of us to be able yeah. to, to do the same. So thank you for <laughs> for welcome. being out there. I mean, that was uh, it was just a little a little way for me that 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 you impacted me during that uh, that time. Wow, what a gift! Thank you for saying that. You know, one of the things I'll say too is that you, you know I say this all the time. We we certainly didn't go through 
this journey of trust without some temper tantrums. You know, we always, oh, yeah. we like to, you know, you think about a child with their temper tantrums. And, and the funny thing I think is that us adults throw temper tantrums way worse than children. We oh, just yeah. don't scream. You know, <laughs> maybe, like some of us do. But, you know, we certainly had our kicking and screaming and our wailing with God. But at the same time, I think that's okay. You know, it's okay. You know, the, the disciples cried out, Jesus, Jesus, master, master, we are perishing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus does say, where is your faith? But it doesn't mean he's saying you can't lament and you can't have those things. But because um, we certainly had those, I think that the gift is in because of our faith, and, and I, it sounds like what you experience as well. But is when we can turn that back to God, right. and we can say, you know, just like the psalmist, you know, like if you look at the Psalms and it's this, you know, lament, lament, lament. But you, O oh Lord, are good, you know. And oh, yeah. uh, I think that's a lot of what we went through was that, and I think that's where I saw Angela's faith shine was her willingness to. To be honest with God, to be honest with me, but then also say, but you know what, I'm going to trust, you know, and that wasn't easy. So I, you know, I, I love, I think our story, you know, it, it worked out beautifully, but the, there certainly were those points where we, you want to give up, you know, and you just want to say, forget it. And that's the, the, the thing I think about a lot. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm praying um, and I'm thanking God, you know, I try to, I try to take an attitude of gratitude, you know, it's not always easy, but I, I, when things are going crazy in life, you know, I try to do that. And one of the things I always thank the Lord for is like, thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us, mm. right? You never give it. Because there, there are days when, you know, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm at mass or I'm at the adoration chapel or whatever, but I feel nothing, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, I don't feel like God's anywhere, you know, it's just me. But it's like realizing that he's never like that. You know, yeah. I may feel like I'm giving up on God, but but he never gives up on us. And that is right. that is just the... Uh, the 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 gym that I can never let go of, right? I mean, I've got to hold on to that precious uh, truth that that he does not give up on us. He loves us too much. Uh, so, but with your with your the book is out. The book is available. Yes, and we're currently doing a there's a blog tour. This this post right now this uh, this the show that we're doing right now is part of that blog tour. And during the blog tour, which I think was going to end tomorrow, there's free shipping. Right yes. on the book. So, how do people get the book? They can just go to itiswellbook.com. Itiswellbook.com. That's the only place where the free shipping is. Uh, and they can do, there's, there's something I want to encourage people to because when people hear our story, they always say, I know, you know, 10 people <laughs> that are thinking of this, or I know two people who need this story. Uh, one offer that we have on there, you can just buy the book for $15 and pay no shipping. But also, we have it available for $40. You get three copies. Again, no shipping. And the goal there is I just want Angela's story out there, you know, right. Um, right. and I hope that it'll help more people. So I encourage people to do that because it'll, uh, it'll, you know, give them the opportunity. It's a great Christmas gift or whatever for somebody that, whether they're suffering or not, um, you know, I hope that they'd be willing to do that and, and just share the story. You know, it was, uh, I, I, I was blown away just reading the, uh, the dedication of the book, oh. you know. I mean, you, you dedicated the book to, to your children. And uh, what are their ages now? My daughter is six, Gianna, and my son, Augustine, is four. Wow, so that's amazing. And, and when Angela passed, how, how long had y'all been married? Actually, let me ask you this. How long had y'all been married when you found out about the cancer? We were just before, she found out just before our, our fifth anniversary. So our fifth anniversary was two months later. Wow. And then she died just after our sixth anniversary. Yeah. So we, she lived another, um, she lived 17 months after her diagnosis. So it was Easter Sunday of 2011, and then she passed in September of 2012. Man, and, and the, the, the dedication I was reading through, and 
it's just beautiful because you're, you're dedicating this to, to your children. And I mean, I'm not going to do it justice trying to, to talk about it, but I'm, that's why I'm trying to pull it up right here. But um, just amazing that, that you're wanting them to learn, really to, to take to heart, uh, the example and the love of their mother. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that, that in, in a way she's going to live on in, in their hearts, you know, and, and that the story goes on, right? The, right. the story of God's love, the good news of, of God's love lives on. It's just beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> just beautiful. So uh, the book is, if someone reads this book, what, what are they going to get? What, what do they get out of this story? Because I'm, I'm trying to, to express what, what I've received. I'm trying to express, but that bleeds over because I was kind of following you all along. What, if someone right. gets this book and they've never heard of your story before, what, what are they going to get? You know, I think they're going to, obviously they're going to get the story. They're going to get the, the account of what really, you know, what we went through. Um, I think that in a sense, you know, when I first was talking about writing this, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a lesson or kind of a teaching or not. And Angela, you know, before she died, we had talked about writing this book and, um, and we'd actually, I had actually started on it before she passed. And she said, just tell our story, just tell our story. And so that was really what I just kind of kept feeling. So essentially, they're going to get the story, but I think within that story, I feel like God, there's a lot of lessons that will come out, you know, a lot of, a lot of teaching. And so in a sense, I, I like to call it like a theology lived, you know, oh, yeah. um, I'm not teaching you the theology of trust or suffering, but I hope that, you, that people will learn that through, through our story as one example, which, which we have certainly, you know, it's not our teaching. <laughs> it's right. the economy of salvation, you know? Yeah. And that, I mean, well, Jesus did that, right? I mean, Jesus told stories. And so it's, it's no wonder that we can still receive grace, really, through stories. Right. And, and the story that you have to share is, is certainly a, uh, a beautiful story, a story of Thank God's, God's uh, redemption, God's love. Now, Chris, I want to ask you, too, because I, I know you're a busy man, and uh, you also do speaking. You, you share the story more than just the book. You also go and in, in, in speak in different places, different venues to, to share the story as well. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I've been going out. I started going out, uh, you know, it was December of last year after Angela died, and I was, I was, I had taken a break from the book and then was getting back to it. And I had a conversation about, you know, would I be willing to go out and speak? And so I prayed about it. I said, Lord, if, you know, I guess you need to show me that if I'm supposed to go do this. And, um, and I just kind of surrendered that to him. And the next day I had two phone calls asking me to come share her story. So wow. I, and, and they were both kind of hesitant. Are you ready? And I said, well, I guess I am because I just prayed about this yesterday. <laughs> so, so I've been able to go out and share, um, several times in the last, you know, nine months or so. And, and essentially just tell the story. It's really a testimony. There's a little bit of teaching, but mostly a testimony. Um, the beautiful thing is the story is there's so many layers to what God has shown us in this last couple of years that, um, there's many ways I can tell it, you know, so um, I'm excited to do in March, I'm going to do a men's retreat. Um, but the night before, we're actually doing a couple's dinner. Oh, um, wow. And the couples will come and we'll, you know, I'll actually do a talk to couples about, uh, there's a part of the book, which people will see towards the end called Till Death. Um, and I'll actually be able to share some of that. And, uh, you know, so so those are some really exciting things that, I, that I'm excited to do. You know, it's um, I've been able to talk to teenagers and middle schoolers all the way up, you know, to 70-year-olds, uh, you know. So um, I think that because there's such a, so many layers to this that there's really no audience that it's not fit for, you know. Um, and and the hope is that I can just give people some solace and and give people some encouragement. You know, Angela said at the very end, I want the world to know that no matter what, they must trust in Jesus. Yeah. And so ultimately, that's my goal with this, that I can express that. 
and give some consolation to those who are suffering. Um, that that it's going to be okay. That Christ is here. That the promise of heaven is here. You know, and and I you know doing that. I do that in the book, but I hope to you know I'm, I'm excited to be able to do that with others uh, in person as well. And if anyone is listening right now and they're thinking, man, I, I, we, we have this event coming up, we have this you know, parish retreat or, or whatever it may be, we, this would be great. Uh, how, do, how do they get in touch with you? you know, they can go to, just go to our website, so itiswellbook.com, and click on the speaking tab, and it has all the information there. Um, and there's a, a great group of folks at uh, Carmel Communications who coordinate with them and help make that happen. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd love to come out. God has really made it possible. I have to say one of the blessings of this past year is how much my children understand the mission. <laughs> oh, wow. And so yeah. they, they let me go. You know, I tell them, Hey, I got invited to go again. And, and they know that I'm, I'm doing what God's calling me to do. And at six and four years old for them to understand that this mission of Sherry's mommy's story is what our family was given. That's an amaz- amazing gift. That is, that is. Well, they, they, they received a lot of grace through, through the family. Yeah, you know, through you and Angela, through your love, that's it, it, just absolutely beautiful. So again, the website is itiswellbook.com. Itiswellbook.com, and just as a reminder, the free shipping, uh, free shipping on the book until I guess tomorrow, which is the eleventh, November the eleventh. Um, so uh, go to itiswellbook.com. <laughs> Thank you, so, Jeff. Chris, do you have any any last uh, things you'd like to say? You know, I just want to encourage people that, you know, again, our story isn't perfect. I think a lot of people are afraid of our story because they go, well, wait a minute, the worst thing did happen. Um, But just that I promise you God is faithful. That's it, that God is faithful. And I hope that if anything from this conversation, from the book, from reading the blogs on the blog tour, that people will get that. Um, And I encourage them in that. And I just hope, too, that people will join alongside you and I. Um, in sharing this with other people, because I think mo- more of our stories need to get out. You know, you're, that's why, you know, Jeff and I were talking before, you know, Jeff, it's why you're so important with what you're doing, because your story needs to get out. And I think, um, you know, we need to be sharing this this message of trust, because right now the world is hurting, and uh, and we need to give them that consolation. Yeah, and there's, there's a, a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of uh, uh, negativity in the world. There's a lot of, of despair in the world. And so when you have that light shining, right, that light of hope, that light of faith shining, uh, it really does stand out, and it really yes. does touch people. So thank you for, uh, for sharing the story uh, from day one uh, on social media and, of course, um, in the book. Thank you for that. And, and thank you for joining us today. It was so good to have you back, Chris. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. God bless your ministry. All right. God bless. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, no recipes on the show today. I mean, in light of the uh, the interview, it, 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 uh, I wanted to highlight the interview. Uh, so no recipes today. However... There are tons and tons and tons of recipes over at catholicfoodie.com. Feel free to go over there, check those out. Uh, I want to thank Chris again for coming on the show. Uh, What an amazing man. What a man of faith. What an example. What an inspiration uh, to me and I know to many, many, many people who have uh, heard that story. Uh, Again, the book, uh, you can get it online. You can order it from itiswell.com. 
uh, please do that and help to spread the word, spread the story of Angela Fattis, her, her love for God, her faith, her trust uh, in the midst of, of what would be considered terrible suffering and, and just a, a tragedy to have passed at, at the age of, of 32. Uh, from colon cancer. It's just, it's, it's an amazing story. Help to spread the word, please. It is wellbook.com. And, uh, you know, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Uh, I, I mentioned in, in the last episode, episode 179, I mean, 178, that uh, I haven't really produced a full length Catholic foodie podcast in months because I've been doing uh, this around the table food show, a radio show in Baton Rouge, in New Orleans. We do it weekly. And instead of duplicating my efforts, what I've been doing is taking the the MP3 file that we record of that radio show. I, I, I will I will do a little Catholic foodie introduction to it. Uh, pop that file right there in into the uh, into the uh, into the one MP3 file for the show, the Catholic Foodie Podcast, and then I upload that and and as a as a Catholic Foodie podcast episode. And that's been great. It's been fun. However, it's not the same as just doing a Catholic Foodie show. And so I'm very happy to be doing this again. Uh, last week was the, the first time to do it, uh, to, to get back in the saddle, so to speak. And today's the second show, and I'm just so happy that Chris was able to join me today. Having said all that, I want to also say that uh, because I'm just now getting back in the saddle, I am poor when it comes to audio feedback, voice feedback. I want to hear from you. You know, every episode, I want to do a segment where I answer your questions. Uh, Whatever it may be, cooking tips, recipes, ingredients, uh, food news, uh, whatever it may be. It may be a question about faith. Whatever it may be, I want to be able to answer your questions. And you can do that. You can help me out here by calling 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974 and leaving a voice message. That voice message I can play right here in the show and then uh, it becomes more of a community event. It's a lot of fun. Please do so. It'd be awesome. And, uh, you know, I've got food on the stove right now as we are speaking and I don't want to burn it. So, uh, until next time, bon appétit.